Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Press the button, my friend. The Outbound Show is live, live from the Whiskey 61 Lounge in the Bank Plus Studio. Check, check, check it out. Our NFL draft coverage this week brought to you by Kinetic Staffing, executive search firm all over the Southeast, technology, CPA, law firms. You name it, executive search firm, kinetic staffing. What are the NFL teams trying to do? Add talent to their roster. What should you be trying to do? Add talent to your company or firm, powered by Kinetic Staffing and KineticStaffing.com. We welcome in our friend. Oh, he'll love this. NFL draft guru, Dave Bartu, on the Farm Bureau Insurance guest line. Out of bounds, 105.9 The Zone ESPN. What's up, big dog? Dude, you think that staffing place would, would take a guy that is uh, expert in uh, college football coaching analytics, growing weed, and hunting out? I'm not sure that's exactly. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Dude, I, I would love to like pop out a, uh, a real resume. <laughs> You remember when you oh. and I, we were talking about this like six months to a year ago and how we said we could never work for anybody now that we've done what we do. It it, oh, it yeah. would be a tough transition for Bartu and Bounds. Oh, that may be a nice oh. firm though. Bartu and, Bartu and Bounds. That's our new, that's our new technology firm. Oh man. I, I, I know. I mean, look at me. You know, I'm, I'm sitting on, I'm doing a radio show talking about NFL draft because I'm a guru today. <laughs> In the NFL draft. And, you know, I'm, I'm drinking coffee. I'm in my home office. Nobody's in the house. You know, made my wife breakfast, made her lunch. Sent her off to work, right? I'm sitting here. got dog, got a cat, got no pants on, got hot coffee. <laughs> Dude, how the heck would I ever go work for somebody? Uh... Like, hey, you know, it'd be one of those Seinfeld moments, you know? If I'd have known pants were required, if somebody told me this right at the beginning, I, I would have worn them today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, 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 uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. The docu-series on bar two would be called Lions and Tigers and Bears. That's what it would be called. All right, let's go. NFL draft. Yeah. Um, real quick, you already hit it, but it was like a month ago before we get into whether GMs tend to, at the end of the day, uh, gravitate toward blue blood players, blue blood program players in college. Just yeah. uh, sum up your thoughts on this quarterback class, 2023. Okay. 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 Quarterback class. Um, 
why don't we do name association? I've seen a lot of this out there, right? Everybody, they're like, hey, we pulled GMs and uh, we, we tried to get uh, a name of an NFL guy that, that most matches this guy in the draft, right? You know, and so it's like, <clears throat> wow, NFL GMs think there are like six NFL all-pro quarterbacks, right? If you notice, all the comparisons are always against like the greatest quarterbacks available. <laughs> and it's like, I, I don't get it. I don't really get it. So, you know, Bryce Young, all right? Now, I, I, think, I think Bryce Young is probably, I think he is a bad risk, but I think he's the best risk. And here's why. Um, specifically, got a lot of snaps in. Uh, his offensive coordinator was average at best, so he actually elevated the offense. And the offense wasn't very good, so he, he, he really had to step up probably more than any other Alabama quarterback in a long time, more than any of the other guys on the list. You know, nobody else had to step up and lead their team like, uh, like Young. Uh, but if I'm going to associate him with somebody, uh, the, probably the closest one is Troy Smith of Ohio State. Wow. That's what I think he's going to be. That's what he reminds me of. I mean, he can run, he can throw, massive offensive numbers. Heck, he even won a Heisman. Both of them with top three recruiters. I think he's going to be Troy Smith. I think that's the best comparable for him. I think he'll be quarterback number one, um, which, you know, historically about 70% of those guys work out. So QB1 is usually a really good guy. I know we all remember DeMarcus out of LSU, but the dude only had 12 games of snaps, and he, he just won it because he could throw football over the mountains. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but young to me is Troy Smith. Um, J.C. Stroud, he, he probably has a better wide receiving crew today than he will in the NFL. Right. I right. mean, it, it, you know, who he got to throw to uh, what was, was absolutely amazing. I haven't been able to really pinpoint. Um, he reminds me on paper, his numbers look like EJ Manuel out of Florida State. <laughs> right. Big dude, big arm, big numbers, big, big recruiting program, and just didn't learn the position at all. And at, at Ohio State, how do you really learn that position? You have, I mean, Ohio State. Look at the talent. This is this is a little nugget to kind of preview what we're about to jump into. Is the program with the most starts in the NFL over the last decade on the offense and defensive line combined is Ohio State. Wow. That's, that's how much talent is in Columbus, okay? And on top of that, you have a top five, top three offensive coordinator in Ryan Day. How are you learning to play the quarterback position in the NFL when you have an elite OC, you have NFL wide receivers everywhere, and you have one of the biggest talent disparities in college football? And then when you go up against somebody with talent like Michigan, you can't beat them. So uh, Stroud is, is the, the, the name that popped up in my head was, was E.J. Manuel. Nice. Uh, Will Levis, I, I struggle with this one a, a little bit because um, he had one good year. Uh, two years ago, he, he had solid quarterback effect. I think he was plus three. And I was starting to believe. And then they made a change at offensive coordinator, and they brought in uh, a very subpar, I can't remember the name of the guy, out of the NFL. Right. But he, he, he was a two-star grade in our system. And, uh, and I'm sitting there going, okay, if Will Levis can pop another season, 2022, like he did in 2021, with a crappy offensive coordinator, I'm going to believe. Nope. Getting to get it done. 
couldn't get it done. And uh, so he, he reminds me a lot of uh, every quarterback since Andrew Luck at Stanford, right? 6'4", huge, rifle arm, everybody loves him, has all the measurables, but just never elevated the program, was always as bad or worse than the offensive coordinator. I think it's Davis, uh, was it Davis Webb? Who's at uh, Houston Texans now that was from Stanford? Just Mills. Mills, yeah, Mills. And then you got McKee is on the board. McKee and, and Levis remind, they're, they're kind of the same guy, uh, size-wise, arm-wise, and, and on paper. They just didn't elevate the program. Um, so, and if you notice, I'm, I'm rattling off guys that are not successful in the NFL. Uh, and, and our last guy, Anthony Richardson, I think he's probably had the most buzz on my social media. I don't know about down uh, where you're at, but if it hits my radar, it means it's really pinging hard down there in, in, yes. <laughs> in the southeast part of the country. Um, Anthony Richardson, the two guys that pop in my mind, uh, Deshaun Kaiser of Notre Dame and Jake Locker of Washington. Massive athletes, unbelievable, big guys, big arms, big legs, fast, everything, right? They can do everything but win a damn football game. <laughs> and, 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 and until it changes, um, it, it, it is the NFL on Sunday is not a combine. It's winning football games. Uh, and, and so I was actually, and with Richardson, I, I was starting to think because what have we been hearing, or at least what I've been hearing for weeks now is, well, somebody just needs to develop Anthony Richardson. And so I started, I started digging and I'm like, okay, I go back five years. And because the question to me was, okay, who has a negative quarterback effect in college? And Anthony Richardson's is very bad. He is, I mean, we're talking like minus eight, nine games. He's Deshaun Kaiser. He is Jake Locker. He is a bad quarterback effect guy. He's negative. And so I asked the question to myself, which guys have been drafted in the first round with negative quarterback effect in college that were developed and ended up being a good starter for the franchise that drafted them? And I went back five years and I didn't find anybody. I went back 10 years and I found one guy. And I went back 15 years and I still have one guy. I went back to the beginning, turn of the century, 23 years ago. There is one guy that has been taken in the first round in my system that is a negative quarterback effect and made it to the field as a successful three-plus-year NFL starter with the franchise that drafted him. That's Jared Goff. That's wow. It. That is it. There is nobody else. Nobody else in the last 23 years. So you are hoping when you draft Anthony Richardson on paper, okay, you are, in my opinion, you are hoping he is one in 23 years of drafting. You are hoping he is Jared Goff, right? And you figure every year there's what, at least six, seven quarterbacks drafted a year. So you're talking 130, 140, 150 quarterbacks drafted in the last 20 three years you're hoping he's one in 140 with first round top 10 pick money look he he could succeed right i mean you can die from a cold right blind squirrels find nuts but everything absolutely everything on paper is against anthony richardson being successful in the nfl as a quarterback 
Dave Bartu, NFL Draft Guru, on the Out of Bounds Show, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. Blake? So, Dave, I'm going to ask you, I guess, somewhat of a hypothetical. PFF and other draft analysts say, you know, take shots on QBs. Take shots on QBs. It's a little bit like a lotto ticket. You keep taking shots because if you can hit one of them, that can set you up for decade, you know, years and years of success over, over a five, 10 year window. But right. based on your numbers and your model, when a QB has that level of a grade, you're better off taking first available at almost any other position or best available, excuse me, at almost any other position rather than taking a flyer on a QB that grades out to that level of like low end lottery ticket is basically what your numbers are saying. That, that's, that's my opinion on it, right? That, that, that is absolutely <clears throat> my opinion on it. I would draft, anything but a quarterback in this draft. But you got to remember the first rule of being a general manager in the NFL, right? Cover your ass, Mm -hmm. right? That's the most important thing. It's not getting the draft right. The most important thing as a GM is keeping your job. And I think we lose sight of that. It's kind of like, it's kind of like college football fans thinking, Oh, all of our coaches love my program as much as I do. Now they'll take the next high-paying job <laughs> that pops up, right? They're always looking. Everybody's looking for more pay. You're looking for more pay. I'm looking for more pay. We all are, right? And, and so we, we get this idea also, I think, in the NFL that, well, the, the, the GM needs to draft smart. No, the GM needs to draft smart for his family and his paycheck. And even if, like, if I'm a GM, all right. And I believe Anthony Richardson is a 99.999% bust. I'll probably have to draft him because A, quarterback position is so important. And B, the backlash if I miss is not worth my job. You know, I know I'm probably not going to miss, but if I do, I'm fired. I would rather miss and go. Four and twelve, four and thirteen in the NFL, and keep my job, then you know end up losing my job. So you know, I I I hear what those guys are saying. You got to keep drafting, hoping for that diamond in the rough. But what my numbers are trying to tell you is, from an efficiency standpoint, that is a bad strategy because you're losing money, you're losing efficiency, and you know. But the problem is, my numbers aren't perfect, obviously. And so they miss on some guys that, uh, you know, say this guy should be good. They miss on some guys that say this guy should not be good. Uh, Now, it is the most accurate thing in the last 20 years, but again, not perfect. So I think the pressure is on GMs every year to take quarterbacks, reach for quarterbacks, because they are the most important guys on the field. And if you miss uh, or if you just get the owner and the fans pissed off, it could cost you your job. Wh- All right. So do you think that most or a lot of GMs uh, tend to gravitate toward drafting play- When it comes down to it, mm-hmm. they lean toward players from blue blood college football programs? That brands that are known. Mm-hmm. Right. Brand, brands that are known, because if you're a GM, you're sitting there and you're like, OK, I'm looking at my draft board and here I'll, I'll give I'll give you a good example. Give you a good example. Um, Texas and Oklahoma. All right. Um, if you're going to draft a guy, if you're a GM 
are you more apt to take a linebacker out of Texas or a linebacker out of Oklahoma? All things pretty much equal, what would you take, right? You're probably going to take the Oklahoma kid because if he fails, you look better, right? Texas, let's say a few years ago, you know, Texas is 4-8. and eight. You drafted a kid from a 4-8 and eight program. That looks bad instead of drafting a kid from a 10-2 and two program. But Texas, over the last 10 years, uh, in the Power Five, they are number three in average starts per player drafted. Number three in the country. They're averaging 53 starts per player out of Texas, but only 41 guys have been drafted out of Texas. Oklahoma? Oh, dude, Oklahoma's had 54 guys drafted, but they're only averaging 38 starts per guy. So what that tells me is you look at the recruiting numbers, Texas and Oklahoma are pretty even. Oklahoma is getting a strong benefit of the doubt because they're winning football games. Mm. It makes a GM look better when they're taking guys from winning football programs. 71% of all your draft picks over the last 10 years are from college football programs, 500 or better. Mm. So they lean towards those. Those are obviously your better recruiters. They're going to win more games. I get that. But when you look across the board, uh, programs that have a really high level of starts per draft pick, they're really good recruiters that have not been performing very well, okay? Uh, Cal, Virginia, Florida State, Tennessee, Miami, Texas, these are all programs that are way, way up there in number of starts per draft pick. They're all top 15 recruiters, except maybe Cal, you know, throw Cal out of there. Uh, there's always an anomaly, but I really feel that a, a GM, and it makes sense to me because if I'm a GM, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to protect myself, and it's a lot easier to draft a guy from a winning program uh, from a perception standpoint than drafting one that fails from a losing program. Okay, how much do you value first? So Malcolm Gladwell's weird like you, and he was on you know a podcast several years ago, and he said you know. I'd bail out of the first round, bus rate, so on. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lot of the time, maybe not every single time, but but a lot of the time. Uh, how do right. you how do you look at that as far as uh, uh, the approach from the front office in the NFL? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't do that uh, at all. My, my approach, at least by the numbers, my approach is um, production by round by position. See, right now the value. Uh, appears to be, look, this it, it's by round and by the pick, right? So your most valuable pick is first round, first pick. Um, but when you look at the production, there are certain positions that produce very, very well. And there's p- positions that produce poorly. So I'll give you an example, linebacker, okay? The average number of starts you get out of a first round linebacker is almost identical to the number of starts you're going to get it, get out of a second round linebacker over the last 10 years. So if you say, hey, would you trade back for a second round linebacker? Yes, I would, right? Would I trade back for a second round offensive lineman versus taking him in the first round? Absolutely not. That first round offensive lineman is going to get me on average 17 more starts than the second round one. So that first round pick on offensive lineman has value. That first round pick on a linebacker does not. And so I, I think we get caught up so much in round and pick 
we are failing to look at the quality by position of the player. So I, I see where he's trying to go with it, but I think a lot of it, when you look at the ratios of starts per pick by round, I, I think there's a hybrid. Of, I think he was on the right path, but I believe there's a hybrid in there that most NFL teams aren't following. I have two that employ me now that, that, that have hired me for my data and my insight on, on different ways of approaching it. So I, I think that in the next coming probably half decade, you're going to see a lot more discussion uh, about the position relative to the position and the, the position of the player relative to the position in the draft as value versus just pick and round as it is right now. What positions would you not pick in the first well, line, round? Linebacker, linebacker is one, is, is one, of, your, one of your first ones. Running backs? Right there. Yeah. Uh, no, running backs in the first round are very, very durable. Okay. Very durable. But you have to go in. Okay, so here, if I'm a GM, if I'm playing GM by the numbers, I would take like your, uh, blah, 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 is it B. John Robinson out of Texas? Everybody yes. Him, right? Okay, I got no problem taking him in the first round. I have no problem. Now, running backs, will I skip the second and third round running back? Absolutely. I think we got it backward. Everybody goes, don't take the first round running back. Absolutely take the first round running back if he is healthy. Now, here's what you got to do as a GM, though. Don't re-sign him. I'll repeat that. Don't re-sign him. Don't give him a big second contract. Trade that superstar. If he becomes a superstar, okay, you trade him for a gajillion draft picks. This, this is, you know, this, this is what you need to do. All right, so opinion, Jerry Jones with Zeke Elliott yeah. made a terrible mistake. He got a lot of juice out of Zeke the first three years. Yes. And then he re-signed him to $90 million, and Zeke's play immediately started to decline. And it was just, it was a terrible contract. It, it, what, 2020 hindsight it was, okay? But if you would have gone into, now, was he very productive in his rookie contract? Absolutely, right? I mean, he was, you were mining gold with that guy, yep. right? So if Jerry went in with the idea that I just talked about, Zeke is a really good example. You go in, you, you bleed it for all the talent, and then you trade that talent, still near its peak, but possibly declining, trade it for picks. Now it becomes valuable. But I, I, uh, but I, that's how I would approach drafting a running back. I got no problem taking him in the first round. Just understand if he's successful or he's not, he's never getting a second contract with me. Okay. Never. Right? Okay. I'm getting my picks. So I'm drafting him for two reasons. All of his talent in the first five years and then all of the draft picks I can get out of him uh, on the contract renewal. So I, I, got no, I got no issues with that. Um, offensive linemen, I'll take those guys in the first round all day long. Defensive linemen, uh, it's, it's defensive linemen in the first, second, third round, they're pretty even. So I don't mind trading back to pick up defensive linemen down the road. Um, and, and all of this obviously is, is subject to, is there a generational guy? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can say, oh, Bart, too, would you have traded back and not taken Micah Parsons? OK, look, I know there's an example of anomalies everywhere. OK, but we're talking general draft policy. Uh, and so linebacker is, is probably the biggest one that you'll see that, you know, after some superstars in, in the in the early part of the first round, if you're picking late first, late second, I'll take that linebacker in the second over the linebacker in the first all day long. All right. Dave Bartu talking NFL draft. This is fun. 
Uh, how much of the draft first round will you watch tomorrow night? None or five minutes? None of it. I won't watch any of it. I don't. I don't. I don't watch any TV. I, I don't know. I, yeah, nothing. I, I don't give a crap. I won't. Now, will I watch the scoreboard? Will I pull it up on my phone? Will I pull up my computer? Oh yeah. Yeah. You bet. You bet. You bet. Oh, the uh, the first and oh, I, I remember the first NFL franchise I worked for. Um, the first contract I had, they were going to take Kyle Trask at the top of the third round. And Tampa Bay came in and took him at the bottom of the second. I think that was the last time I watched the draft because I knew what was supposed to happen. Right. Right. I knew what was supposed to happen. I knew they, they had a quarterback need. They're waiting in the weeds. It was the top of the third round. I saw Trask fall into second. And I'm just like, I'm sitting there. Ro- I'm like rocking in my chair. I knew what was coming. And it's like, Ah, oh, dang, nabbit, right? I mean, it's. I haven't been in a war room. I think that would be so much fun. Oh, I do too. Because, because when you know what's coming, when you know you have your board and you're looking at it, and you got 31 other teams looking at their board, and you don't know what they're looking at, and, and, and you're getting to the point of wanting your guy at that spot, and it starts in your four, five, six picks away. Wow, you want to talk about sweating a bet? That is an amazing, unbelievable, man, everybody listening, I can't tell you how unbelievably, and this is just one draft pick, right? I can't imagine doing this, all of them. I'd have a heart attack. (laughs) Dude, by the end of it. You in a a draft war room, that would be phenomenal. I'd love to Uh, see that. uh, It would be Drinking Tito's, man. Good <laughs> hell. All no, right. no, no. I'd be 100% sober for that, man. Uh, 100% sober for that. Uh, now, no. afterward, you know, it, it's uh, ce- celebrating stuff afterward uh, is, is really cool. But um, now a, a draft room would be, that's some, that's some pretty, I can imagine that is some high-intensity stuff. I mean, I know we see it here and there on the TV. I, I think they show draft rooms, you know, a little bit of it. But what you can't feel is the tension, right? The, the absolute, you know, you look at it, you can look at those draft rooms, those war rooms on TV. You can't hear anything. You know, you don't know how loud or quiet it is. But, you know, you can imagine a draft room that's all loud and excited and your, your guy that you want is on the board and you're like four picks away. I bet you can hear a pin drop those oh, last yeah. couple of picks, yeah. right? I mean, you can just feel the tension. It's like, it's like kickoff before, you know, the, before egg bowl, before iron bowl. I mean, everything's tingling, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, you're just jacked, jacked for that kickoff, right? It, except it's the other way around. It's just quiet. Nobody's shaking keys. Oh, here comes our guy. Here comes our guy, you know? And then when you get him, oh, that must be a great feeling too. So yeah, I, I think, I think if there was, if there was one NFL thing that I would love to experience off the field, it would be sitting in a war room for a draft. Just one. Me too. All of them. Just just one of them to feel the tension and excitement, pick after pick after pick. We'll leave it there. Dave Bartu, NFL draft guru on the Out of Bounds show. <laughs> and uh, Bartu, thank you, buddy. Continue on with the Lions, Tigers, and Bears. Make sure the wife yep. is good for supper tonight. We'll talk soon, okay? Take it easy, brother. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate you. See you, bud. Our NFL Draft coverage brought to you by Kinetic Staffing. Choose the absolute winner when it comes to executive search firms powered by Kinetic Staffing. 
As NFL and college teams add talent to their roster, you need to add talent to your firm, company, or business. Kinetic Staffing will help you do that. It's executive search and long-term staffing leader. Executive search leader, Kinetic Staffing. We are the Out of Bounds Show. Also a super cool place to watch uh, sports in the NFL draft or the Kentucky Derby. The Golden Moon Casino Sportsbook and Lounge. And play a little dancing rabbit golf while you're there. Uh, We'll see you in a few.